the voice of God Almighty. It's the voice of God's love. And I believe that there are voices sounding throughout the world. There are voices. Not always heard, certainly, because there are other voices that are louder. We never can find rest till we find it in God. I want you to hear this voice calling you back. All right, that's... <laughs> all right, all right, all right, yeah. Well, hey, uh, let me just, uh, for those of you joining in with us online, I've got a few hundred of our leaders here at the Rockwall campus that are joining in uh, here today while we're kind of gearing up and getting ready to regather as a church on September 12th and 13th. And uh, man, if you can't tell, they're a little excited. So let me just, whoa, 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 let me just ask this room for the people who are joining online. Guys, how does it feel to be in the room worshiping with each other again together? <laughs> it feels real good. It feels real, real, real good. Yeah, man. Well, hey, I just want you guys to know Lake Point Nation. I want you to know we cannot wait um, to regather. So again, mark your calendar September 12th and 13th. And hey, if you guys could do this, um, this weekend, Sunday from 2 to 4 p.m. at all of our campuses, we need your help spreading word about Lake Point's regathering. So if you could do this um, from 2 to 4 p.m. at all of our locations, we've got these handy-dandy free I Love My Church t-shirts waiting on you at all the locations. If you could drop by, again, 2 to 4 p.m. any location on Sunday and grab one of these shirts, we're all gonna be wearing these like leading up to regathering to help spread word that Lake Point Church is coming home, guys. We're coming home. That's right. So uh, that'd be awesome. And then, hey, if you could do this, while you're hopping into one of the campuses, all of our auditoriums are gonna be open and set up um, for a time of prayer. And, and let me just ask you, like as your pastor, I'd, I'd love you obviously to get a t-shirt. Um, I would love even more if our church just gathered by the thousands to pray and to pray for God's protection and his power, his anointing um, on our church as we regather. Listen, we think the next few months are gonna be in some ways unprecedented in what we see in life, our church, and we need God's blessing on, uh, on that. So please do that, that'd be awesome. Well, hey, uh, Lake Point family, if you guys could, if you could uh, grab your Bibles and turn over to 1 Corinthians 14. Um, that's where we are today, 1 Corinthians 14, and we're in week three of a series that we've just been calling Tuning In, okay? Title of the series, Tuning In, and here's where this comes from. It's kind of like if I had a radio on stage with me today, um, I, I could actually show you that right now in this room, there are hundreds, literally hundreds of different voices that are sort of passing through the air in this room right now. We just can't hear them because we're not tuned into the frequency upon which those voices are transmitting. And what we see when we read the Bible is that it's really the same with our lives. The guys, guys, listen, God is not a concept. God is a person, and he wants to have a personal relationship with you. With you, he wants to have that. And that means that he wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to you personally. And so if we're not hearing God, listen, the problem is not that God has a speaking problem. The problem is that we've got a hearing problem. And so what we're gonna do during this series is we're just asking the question, man, how can I personally, how can I hear God? How can I tune into that frequency and, and listen and really hear the voice of God? Now, what you're gonna see, it's really interesting, is that in this room and with everybody watching this, joining in with me online, typically what people do is you're gonna see there's two primary ways that a Christian can hear God's voice. Um, one, we can hear his voice in the word of God. And, and listen, the word of God is objective 
and it's, it's impersonal. You know, it's something that we read. So objective and an impersonal experience. But, but we can also hear God's voice through the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God, it's, he's very experiential and he's personal. Now, here's what you're gonna notice is that most people that you've ever met, and honestly, really most churches, tend to choose one or the other. They're either word people or they're spirit people. They're word churches or they're spirit churches. And guys, I don't want us to be a church that's word or spirit. I want us to be a church that's an and church, a word and spirit church. And, and so listen, there's a, uh, that's right, man. <laughs> Yo, they're excited in here, y'all, they're excited. Uh, I've got this quote by a guy named R.T. Kendall that really sums up my heart on this. And this is what he said. This is what he said, here he said. R.T. Kendall said, there are word churches and there are spirit churches. There's been a great divorce in the church between word and spirit. And like any divorce, some kids go with the mom and some kids go with the dad. Revival happens when you bring those two back together. And guys, that's what we want, <laughs> is we want that. We don't wanna be a church that chooses between word or spirit. We wanna be an and church. We wanna be a church that's word and spirit, knowledge and experience. Guys, precision and power. We want all those things. And what you're gonna notice throughout all of church history, that all of the great moves of God They've taken place whenever there was a group of people who were willing to step into that and and say, we're gonna be word and spirit people. We're gonna be a word and a spirit church. And really that's what we're doing in this series is stepping into that, that and. and. And let me just kind of go ahead and get this out of the way before I get into the meat of this message. You know, a few weeks ago, I was uh, hopping into one of the chats with the uh, church online and somebody asked in the chat, what denomination is Lake Point Church? And somebody in the chat actually dropped into the chat. They said, Presbapticostal. That's what they said, okay? <laughs> now, here's what I think that means. I think it means that we are predestined to speak in tongues at a potluck dinner. I think that's what that means as a church. That's what that really means. But we're really gonna kind of step into that a little bit. And you're gonna see because there's really no way to study what the Bible says about hearing God's voice without talking about what the Bible calls prophecy, okay? Now, here's what I know. As soon as I simply mention the word prophecy, there are some of you like, oh man, here it comes. You know, as soon as this guy showed up, I knew he was weird. It was gonna get weird eventually. You know, I've been here for years and uh, you know, all of a sudden, you know, and you're looking around right now for tambourine lady and flag lady and shofar and prayer shawl and you're like, all right, what's gonna happen? Uh, just chill out with me and let's do this. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna talk about this because li listen, it takes the whole Bible to make a whole Christian. And so we've gotta preach the whole Bible to make whole Christians. And so I wanna talk about something that the Bible just clearly talks about. It really, what is according to the New Testament, a primary way that we hear the voice of God in our personal lives. So here's what I'm gonna do. Uh, we're gonna do a little theology really quick, and I'm gonna trace this pattern all throughout the Bible and bring you up to our primary passage in 1 Corinthians 14. So here, don't turn there. You don't turn there. Just let me, let me uh, trace this for you. So let me go all the way back to Numbers chapter 11. And we've got Moses here, and you're gonna see Moses say something really, really important. It tells this story. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke with him, Moses, and he took some of the power of the spirit that was on him, and he put it on the 70 elders. And when the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. I'm gonna come back to that. However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad, and I read somewhere else they had a brother named Yodad. <laughs> there you go, okay. Guys, it's been a long time since I was funny. I've been telling jokes to empty rooms, so I gotta, I gotta enjoy this. Uh, had remained in the camp. 
They were listening among the elders. That's full dad joke. That's all I got. That's level 10 dad joke. But did not go out. Uh, they, were, they, they were listed among the elders, but did not go out to the tent slackers. Yet, the spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. Now, a young man ran, and he told Moses, 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 Eldad, and me, Dad, they're prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, poor guy didn't have a mom. That's just terrible, okay? Just, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna roll today, here we go. Who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. Now watch this, but Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. So note this, Moses hopes there's gonna come a day where everybody is used by God as a conduit of the voice of God. Now, fast forward about 600 years to the prophet Joel, and it says this, and afterward, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women. So young, old, men, women, Jew, Gentile, God says, there's coming a day where everybody, everybody's gonna experience this. I will pour out my spirit in those days. So what Moses hoped for, that all of God's people would be prophets, now what Moses hoped for, God has promised in the book of Joel. Now fast forward about 800 more years and we get up to the book of Acts. And you guys remember before Jesus ascends into heaven, he tells his disciples, he says, man, don't go anywhere. I don't want you to go anywhere. You stay right here. And you wait until the spirit of God falls on you because you're gonna need power to be my witnesses and to go and take my gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And they stay and they start praying and they say, God, we want your spirit. And so the spirit begins to descend. The Bible says that the room began to shake. The sound of a mighty rushing wind filled that room. And then it says that this happened. It says they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you may hear that, and you may go, man, why in the world did tongues of fire, quote unquote, come to fall on these guys' heads? Well, you guys remember, all throughout the Old Testament, guys, God had always been appearing to his people in the form of a flame. Remember, God met Moses in the burning bush, and he spoke to him out of the fire. When God was leading the people of Israel through the wilderness, the Bible says that he appeared in the, in the form of a pillar of fire by night and he led the people. Whenever the tabernacle was erected, whenever it was set up, the Bible says that smoke and flame would often fill the tabernacle when the presence of God dwelt there. Whenever Solomon, fast forward, and Solomon built the temple, a permanent structure for God's presence, and he dedicated it, the Bible says that smoke and fire filled that temple. And then now in Acts chapter two, the fire of God comes to rest on the heads of every believer. Do you know what the Bible's showing us? It's saying now every single Christian is himself or herself a living burning bush, a residence of the presence of God and a conduit of the voice of God. Every Christian everywhere has become that. And then right after this, in Acts chapter two, the apostles quote that prophecy from Joel saying, man, this is exactly what God said would happen. He said he would pour out his spirit on everybody and that everybody would prophesy. Young, old, men, women, Jew, Gentile. And they said, this is happening now. That's being fulfilled. Now, if you read your Bible for you Bible scholars, you're gonna notice in the book of Acts, that's exactly what happens. For the rest of the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 59 different times in the book of Acts. 
in 36 of those 59 times, the Holy Spirit is speaking through a person. There was a, a Baptist, note that, a Baptist Bible scholar, a Baptist Bible scholar that I read this week that said empowering prophetic speech is actually the primary thing the Holy Spirit does in the book of Acts. And then we get to 1 Corinthians 14, our primary passage for the day, and we have this entire passage about essentially, here's some ground rules for using this, honestly, this kind of weird spiritual gift of prophecy in the church, okay? Now, let me do this really quick. Um, if you are still, so that's me tracing it all throughout the Bible. If you're still not with me and you're like, Josh, this is just weird, man. I just don't know if I'm in on this. Can I just, and I'm gonna ask you guys in the room and you guys online, I want you to drop your answers in the chat. Can I just ask you a question? If I were to ask you the question, does God still speak? What would you say? Yes. yes. The vast majority of us would say, of course, of course I believe that God still speaks. Now, let me, if I were to ask question number two, if I were to ask you this question, uh, every now and then, even if it's rare, every now and then when you're praying or reading the Bible, does a thought ever enter your mind about another person and it's just sort of like so heavy on your spirit that you're like, oh my gosh, I have to say this to this person the next time I see them. And even if it's rare, when you tell them what kind of dropped into your spirit, you tell them and they say, oh my goodness, that is exactly, exactly what I needed to hear in this moment. When, now listen, some of you hear that and you're like, well, of course, Josh, but that's just life in the kingdom of God. You're right, and it's also what the New Testament calls prophecy. That's all that that is. Now, uh, let me just give you a definition before I get into some of these ground rules and I stop freaking all of you out, okay? This is, this is a guy named Wayne Grudem. I'm quoting Wayne Grudem from the book Systematic Theology, and he defines the New Testament gift of prophecy like this. He says, prophecy is reporting in one's own words something that God has spontaneously brought to mind. That's all this gift is, okay? Now, uh, let, me, let me give you two examples to try and like de-freak you out really quick. Let me do that, okay? Uh, example number one. Right before Jan and I, these are examples in our lives. Right before Jan and I uh, came to Lake Point, Pastor Steve had kind of first brought up, you know, this possibility of, of us coming here. And uh, Jan and I, at that spot, we were really comfortable where we were. We loved our church. Everything was going great. We knew the people. We were comfortable with people. Nobody hated my jeans. It was awesome. And, uh, you know, we were all doing all that. And so we, we really weren't even really open to the possibility. But we picked a weekend, and we were like, man, let's take this weekend and just pray and see if God speaks to us to make sure we're following his will. And as soon as we did the day, the very day we did that, I was in the bathroom kind of getting ready one evening, and Jana came in, and she was just a, she was, she was a mess. Uh, just, you know, hysterical, uh, tears on her, you know, just very uh, emotional. And she said, Josh, uh, you are never gonna believe what's happened. Um, I think... God might be calling us to go to Lake Point. And I was like, you're crazy. You're crazy. That's never gonna happen. I said, what makes you think that? And she said, well, I sat down uh, with my prayer journal and I was doing my daily devotional. And my devotional today just happened to be, it was Isaiah 43, 19. And that's the verse that says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And she said, Josh, I read that. And it felt like the Spirit said, that verse is about you right now. 
And I was like, God, get out of here. You're crazy, you know? And I just said, babe, I, I just need you to know that verse is in every devotional that's ever been written because it makes, that, that verse makes people feel good when their lives are really crappy. You know, that's why it's, it's in every single devotional that's ever existed, you know, that kind of thing. Very pastoral man that I am. And, uh, and so we just kind of blew it off and we're like, all right, God, we're open. Just tell us what you want to do. Well, the very next morning, we walk uh, uh, into our, our church's worship service. And uh, as the service gets ready to start, the guy that's hosting the service gets up and he has his Bible in his hand. And uh, he's, uh, he, you know, uh, he had approached the stage. And in the 8 a.m. service, the service that my wife attended, he said, hey, before I, I welcome you guys here, while I was praying for this service, I had a really almost irrepressible feeling that there was a verse that a person in this service would need. And he said, I don't know who it is, but it was for the 8 a.m. service, and someone in this room needs this verse. And he opened his Bible, and he looked out, and he just said, behold, I am doing a new thing. Can you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And then I had to preach. <laughs> I, like, I mean, it was the word. But guys, that's an example. Sometimes God might bring a verse of encouragement, a verse of sort of life uh, into your mind and give it to you to give somebody else. Now, I'll give you another one. Sometimes it's not always just a verse. Maybe it might be a, a word or a phrase. I'll, I'll give you one more. Three months ago, I was uh, traveling to Phoenix to spend time with a pastor there that's sort of a, a mentor of mine in some ways. And I learned from him. And uh, it was just, uh, I've been very honest with you guys. Um, this year, it's been, this year has played on every insecurity I have. You know, it's just like, man, you know, different times in the year ebb and flow and just thinking, man, you know, Steve's so cool and he's so smart and he's just awesome and I'm not. And, you know, all, the, all this little insecure thing. And so I was in one of those seasons where the insecurities were really high and I spent time with his pastor. And at the end of our time, I was just so impressed with his integrity and his prayer life. And at the end of our time, and by the way, I wanna encourage you to do this with people in spiritual authority in your life. Maybe it's a life group leader, maybe it's a pastor, that, that sort of thing. At the end of our time, sometimes I'll do this. I just said, hey, um, has God shown you anything about me during our time together? And his face got real serious and he said, Actually, yes. And he said, uh, Josh, I think it's awesome that you're here to learn from me and to learn from other pastors. And then he leaned right in and he said, but Josh, I feel like God wants me to tell you there is more in you than you can possibly imagine. And I just, I just kind of lost it as soon as I walked into the, the drive of the parking lot. And I just thought, man, like that was exactly what I needed to hear. And I didn't even know that's what I needed to hear. And guys, sometimes that's what God will do is he'll bring something to someone's mind to give you for somebody else. By the way, you need to know this about that pastor. That pastor is not like tambourine guy. Uh, he's not like prayer shawl shofar guy. That pastor is a former executive at Intel that became a large church pastor, a very sober-minded man. Because this gift is for everyone to experience if God should bring something to your mind. Now, let me do this, and let's dive right into 1 Corinthians 14. What this passage does is it gives us, I'm just gonna kind of put this on the board as a header. This passage, it gives us some ground rules for how this thing, uh, you know, being given something to give somebody else should and should not be used. So let me give you some ground rules for prophecy, which helps other people hear from God. Let me just do it straight from the Bible. Ground rule number one is that we should be asking God for it. 
You should ask God for it. Uh, the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 14. It says, pursue love, verse one, and watch this, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And then watch this, especially, especially that you may prophesy. Do you see that? This is saying more than any other spiritual manifestation, more than miracles, more than healing, more than leadership gifts, eagerly desire that you might prophesy. In fact, the Bible is so adamant about this. It also says this in 1 Thessalonians. Watch this. It says, do not quench the spirit. You guys know sometimes there'll be a fire, and in order to quench the fire, you'll pour water on it. Did you know that sometimes Christians can have theologies or attitudes or, uh, or, or sort of postures towards things that are the spiritual equivalent of taking a bucket of water and pouring it on a fire in the activity of the spirit? And it says, don't, don't quench the spirit. And then it says, here's how to make sure you don't quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. So we've got this command that we are never supposed to be people who maybe we build a theology around, oh, God can't do that anymore. Or maybe we have kind of an eye roll spirit. Every time somebody claims that God gave them something for us, we're like, oh man. And we just sort of have an attitude of skepticism that really rules out the possibility of God speaking to us through another person. There is no way to understand what those attitudes are other than quenching the spirit. The God, God says, man, I want you to eagerly desire this. And, and listen, guys, do you know why? Do you know why God says to eagerly desire this manifestation of the spirit more than any other manifestation of the spirit? Do you know why? Because there is nothing more powerful than the living and active word of God. Nothing more powerful than God's word spoken through his people to his people. There is nothing more powerful than that. Man, one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible, it's Ezekiel 37. And this prophet Ezekiel, God brings him up onto this valley. And at the top of a valley, he's looking down and God shows him there's this, it's a valley and in the bottom of it, there's a valley of corpses that have been dead so long that the bones are just dry. There's no liquid left. And God asks Ezekiel this question. He says, hey, son of man, can those bones live? And Ezekiel says, Lord, you know. And God says, prophesy. Prophesy over those bones. And Ezekiel starts speaking the words of God over the bones. And as soon as he does that, the Bible says that bone came back upon bone, sinew upon sinew, flesh upon flesh, until he says, before me stood a mighty army of the living God. And guys, some of you, you're in this spot right now where like you're standing on top of a valley and you're looking down and you're seeing your dead marriage. You're seeing your dead relationship with your children, your dead dreams, your dead calling. And what you need to know is that if you can simply get a word from God, a word from the living God, bone can come back upon bone. Flesh can come back upon flesh. Sinew upon sinew. Until before you stand something that once was dead, but now it's alive in the power of the living God. God can do that through the power of his word. So we can't be people who despise the transfer of God's word through the conduit of God's people. Let me just be really honest with you, and you may never have thought about it this way before. This is one of the primary reasons that you have to be in a life group. You've simply got to be in a life group. Think about this. The Bible uses the analogy of the church, and it says Jesus is the head of the church, but all the members, all the people of the church, we're like different body parts. Now think about how my body works. Think about this. If my brain wants to scratch my arm, my brain does not telepathically send a signal to the itchy part of my arm. 
My brain sends a signal to my, to my shoulder, which moves my arm, which moves my hand, which moves my finger. And through the signal to those other members of my body, parts of my body, that's how, how my head accomplishes itching that, scratching that itch. It is the exact same way in the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the church. And if you remove yourself from integral attachment to the body parts, the people of the church, then guys, God might want to speak to you, but you've removed himself from the context in which he can do that. So let me just say this to you, whether you're in the room or you're watching with us online, you have got to take this step if you're gonna grow into maturity in Christ. And if you've never done that, you can do that like today. The most spiritual thing you could possibly do is right now just simply text the word group to the number 20411. And as soon as we're regathering, like in the next few weeks, you hop in and put yourself in that context to receive living words from God. You gotta do that. Now, that was a long ground rule. The rest are shorter, okay? Ground rule number two is test everything by the Bible. Now, this is my entire message next week. We're gonna talk about testing the spirits and, and that reality. So let me give you next week's message in about 30 seconds and don't tune out on me next week, okay? Here's what you're gonna see in the Bible is that anytime God creates, Satan counterfeits. So listen, there is not just the Holy Spirit that wants to speak words of life to you. No, 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 no. The Bible says the world is also full of un unholy spirits that the Bible calls Satan and demons, and they want to counterfeit words of God to bring you not words of life, but to steal, kill, and destroy and bring you death. And what that means is that, watch this, the spirit creates prophets, those, those unholy spirits, they will at times, the Bible says, create false prophets. So how do we know what is from God and what isn't? Well, this is really interesting. The Bible tells us, 1 Corinthians 14, 29, let two or three prophets speak and then let the others weigh what is said. Anytime anyone anywhere claims that they have a word from God, what we've gotta do is weigh what is said. Now, here's a question. How do we weigh what is said? Okay, well, here, here's how you do it. We weigh any words that are claimed to be from the Spirit of God by the Word of God. That's how we do it. Why? Because the Spirit of God authored the Word of God, and if anybody claims to have words from God that contradict what the Spirit of God said in the Word of God, then they don't actually have words from God. We know that. Uh, I heard somebody say it one time like this. They said, hey, do you wanna hear the audible voice of God? Open your Bible and start reading out loud. That's how you hear the audible voice of God. So we take this and we weigh everything that anyone ever says according to the word of God. Let me just say this in a very straightforward way because all of these are pastoral examples I've experienced in pastoral counseling. If anybody ever tells you that God told them or he indicated to them or he put an impression on their heart to tell you to do something unethical, to sleep together before you were married because you're married in your heart, to submit to abuse, to harm yourself, Listen, none of those are from the Spirit of God because they don't align with the Word of God. If any claimed words from God don't line up with the Bible, we reject them because the Spirit of God is the author of the Word of God. And guys, God does not contradict himself. God will never do that. So we weigh everything that is said by this book. That's ground rule number two. Ground rule number three. It's a, this is a long ground rule, but it's very important. Never claim the authority of God in your own words even if you are 100% convinced it is actually the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Never do that. Now, 
I'll say that for two reasons. Number one, we've already seen in the Bible that not only is there a Holy Spirit empowering you, you know, sometimes to speak, there are unholy spirits that will empower you or influence you to do other things as well. But also, whenever there's a, a, we might call it a word of prophecy or God brings something to your mind, there are three aspects to that process. There is the revelation, there's the interpretation, and there's the application. And you might genuinely be hearing from God, he might be bringing something to your mind, but you're interpreting what God is bringing to your mind wrongly, or you'll try to apply it wrongly with words when you try to bring it to a person. So what that means is you, listen, I'm just gonna say it a very straightforward way. Don't ever, 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 don't ever come to someone and just straight out say, God told me, and then word vomit on them. Don't do that. Say something like, man, this came to my mind while I was praying for you. Or say something like, man, I just felt like I needed to share X. But never claim the authority of the Holy Spirit with your own words, even if you're convinced that it is the Holy Spirit speaking. Let that person do that as they weigh these things from the word of God. Now, ground rule number four, use prophecy or God bringing something to your mind, only use it for its biblical use. Now, now listen, here's what I've noticed. I'm just kind of cards on the table. What I've noticed is anytime you start talking about this and the activity of spirit, people just get weird. Weird people use this to do really weird things because they're weird. They just do that, okay? So here's what we're gonna do. We are not, here's what usually happens. Somebody starts, all of a sudden they have these dire warnings and these messages from God about all the wrong things that you're doing. Okay, well, actually, let's go to 1 Corinthians 14, and let's see how God is going to use this gift or manifestation of the Spirit, how he's gonna use it. Here's how he's gonna use it. Watch this, 1 Corinthians 14, 3. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their, watch this, three things, for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. If somebody comes to you with a quote-unquote word from God, or you have a quote-unquote word from God, and it's not upbuilding, it's not encouragement, and it's not consolation, call it whatever you want. Don't call it prophecy. Because that's what prophecy does. Years ago, uh, right before I met Jana, there was a, a girl that I had dated years ago that reached out and just said, hey, uh, is there any way that uh, you could come visit? You know, I got, we got some friends converging uh, on, on my college campus and would love, uh, would love to see you all of us are together. And I just happened to be driving up that way to visit some family. And so dropped into the campus. And when I got there, uh, this girl, uh, she just, you know, kind of sat me down and she said, hey, Josh, uh, just want you to know that uh, God has been speaking to me. We hadn't seen each other in like four or five years. She said, God has been speaking to me. And Josh, God told me that we are supposed to get married, that uh, we're supposed to be together. And I was absolutely stunned because I was used to God telling all the other girls I dated that we weren't supposed to be together. That's all I'd ever experienced before. You know, I just didn't know what to do. Now, Looking back on that experience, I actually could have known immediately, it just immediately, I could have immediately known, man, that's not prophecy. That's not an actual word from God. Why? Because that word would have built her up. That was not a word that would have necessarily built me up. Encouragement, upbuilding, consolation. Guys, you need to know this. If something comes to your mind, listen, you, you just always need to know if it's not upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation, Call it whatever you want. It's not prophecy because that's how God uses this gift. Now, here's a big question. And listen, what I really want is I want 
us as a church to understand how important it is that we not quench the spirit and despise prophecy, okay? Here's why this is so important. I'm gonna read it. This is 1 Corinthians 14, 25. Actually, I'm gonna put it right up here so you can see it. Here's what happens when a church is alive with both the clarity of the word and the mystery of the spirit, the power of the spirit and the power of the word at the same time. It says this is what's gonna happen. If an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, speaking words, maybe it's in a life group, maybe it's that kind of thing, something that somebody's brought to mind, watch this. They are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all. In other words, their their sins are brought out into the light and the reality of their guilt before God becomes personal and real to them. And then, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Now, uh, I've actually seen that verse exactly happen before. Um, Years and years ago, uh, when I first became a senior pastor, uh, church was much smaller. We were probably a church about 100 people or so at that time. And um, you know, I just want you guys to know this. When I'm preparing for a sermon, I don't just sit down and do like you know a math problem to get, oh, here's what the verse means and just say it. Like guys, I'm asking God every week, like in, in serious prayer, God, what do you want me to say for the people? And for me, there's usually, there's usually about two moments in every message where I'm like, the spirit gave me that. Now, I know I gotta say that, the spirit gave me that. And uh, when I was first uh, pastor in this church, there was one week where I was doing my sermon prep and the Lord very clearly gave me this irrepressible feeling that I needed to preach like the come home love of God to somebody that would walk into our services that was high that day. And that was really weird because, you know, at the time we were still kind of in church plant mode. Our whole church was either like pastors or homeschool moms. <laughs> and so it was like, if I'd have started talking about a joint, they would have looked at their elbow. They would have, I don't know, you know. They, and so like, you know, I was like, okay. I don't, but I knew, I was like the spirit, like the spirit, I'm getting this really heavy impression. So I did that that week and I get to the end of the message and I do that, man. I'm just like preach. I just like, man, somebody may have come in. You might've come in high this week. And I just need you to know that God has been waiting on the porch every day for you to come home. He is ready with open arms. He's been crucified for your sins. You don't have to die a slave. You know, I was really giving myself to to the moment. And I finished, I finished, you know, preaching the message. I look around and nothing happens (laughs) like at all, like nothing happens. And I felt really, really stupid. Okay. So end that part of the story. Now, Fast forward three years, three years later, and uh, I'm getting a car wash. And uh, I'm in the car wash, and a car wash employee knocks on my window, and he says, hey man, uh, are you the pastor of this church right over here? And I was like, yeah, man, I am. I introduced myself. And he starts his story, and he says, three years ago, I walked into your church, and uh, I came in high that day. And that day, you said that God loved me. And you said that God could redeem my mistakes. And you said, you said that my sins could be forgiven. And when you said that, I knew that you weren't just speaking about God. I knew that in that moment, 
the living God was speaking to me. And I left, and three days later, I became a Christian. That's what he said, gave my life to Christ immediately. Now, did you see what happened? Did you see what happened? He was called to account. The secrets of his heart were laid bare. The reality of judgment became personal to him. And he fell on his face and he declared, the living God is among those people. Guys, I wanna be really honest with you. Like, listen, I love this church. I love this church so much. It is amazing to me how fast I have fallen in love with this church. So listen, I love it so much. But listen, when people leave our church, I don't want them leaving talking about our cool church. I don't want them leaving talking about our talented pastor or our great worship team. I want them leaving talking about the greatness of our God. That's what I want. I want them to leave, listen, listen. When people get in their car after a Lake Point Church worship service, I hope, I hope they get in their car and they get in their car and they're driving home and they say, man, what was the name of the church, that church? Who is that pastor? I don't know, but I met God there. I want people to say that when they drive away. And listen, we can't do that unless we're willing to be an and church where we step into the and of the spirit of God and the word of God, the clarity of the word and the mystery of the spirit, the power of the spirit and the precision of the scriptures. We wanna be an and church so that we can see people come here, experience the reality that God lives and that he loves them, that Jesus died for you. For you, he died for you. He wants you, he has not cast you off. He is waiting for you with open arms. He is ready to, he is more ready to receive you than you are to be received. And I want them to feel that deep in their bones that that's a word from the living God and they leave and they're like, man, God is in that place. I don't know what's going on there, but like God is real. And if we see that happen, if we see that happen, now we will never cease to see just a wave of power, see people swept up into Jesus. And so can we pray for that? I wanna pray that for you. I wanna pray that for you. And so God, would you please do that? We wanna, in a fresh way, we wanna open ourselves to everything you have for us. Father, would you please speak, Lord, for your servants who are listening. Father, if there is anything in our spirit that is blocking us from stepping in to what you want to do in our lives, in our families, in our life groups, in our church, we repent. We repent and we give that up to you. Father, I pray that we would never cease to be a church with rock solid foundation upon your word, that we would never stray from it from the right, to the right or to the left, but every step of the way, we would hear a voice as it were behind us saying, this is the way, walk in it and that we would see people experience the reality of the living God in our midst. So Holy Spirit, we just, we just wanna say, like in a fresh new way, you are welcome here. We invite you here. And every person that's watching in a living room, on a porch, in a kitchen, they invite you there. Speak, Lord, for your servants listen. We pray that in the name of the living God, amen.